Greetings, Vault Hunters, and welcome to Echoes from the Borderlands, the podcast where we explore the iconic Borderlands franchise through conversations with the writers, devs, artists, and others who are responsible for its creation and success. I'm your host, Joel Watson, and today we are talking about what lies beyond, beyond the looting, beyond the shooting, beyond the Borderlands. I'm joined by co-founder of Gearbox Software and president and founder of the Gearbox Entertainment Company, Randy Pitchford, president of Gearbox Properties, Randy Varnell and director of Gearbox Cinema and Cinematics Group, Matthew Ward. Welcome. Thanks. Hey, awesome to be here. Yeah, yeah I awesome. like the way you said uh, beyond the, it felt beyond, like beyond the borderlands. It, it's like you could do Rod Serling stuff now with that. <laughs> we are stepping beyond. We're going beyond. to take you beyond the borderlands. Let's talk about beyond the borderlands. There's four main games, 15 DLCs, not including seasonal content and live events. Multiple spinoffs, including Tales from the Borderlands and Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Over 80 million copies of Borderlands games sold worldwide, making it one of the best-selling franchises in video game history. It's expanded into card games, comics, novels, and now a feature film is on the way from Lionsgate, directed by Eli Roth. Where does the Borderlands go from here? Oh, man. <laughs> We're just getting started, buddy. <laughs> By the way, props for uh, including Borderlands the pre-sequel as a main game. You said yeah. four main games. Yeah. I, I presume that's because yep. good for you. Not everybody <laughs> does that. And it's well-loved. I noticed. It is. It's awesome. You can play as Claptrap. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I thought that was going to be the end. Once we did that, cool. We did everything we set out to do. But in fact... No, we we have lots of unfinished business. Absolutely. We're just getting started. We we don't even like this this is like listen, we're on a crazy train. I I I Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Randy, you've been there since day 1. You know, you've, you've talked to us on the first episode of this podcast and here we are at the end of this season. Uh you've watched and guided the franchise's growth since before its inception. Do you feel ultimately responsible for the health of that franchise? Or do you still feel that way and have you empowered others to be stewards of Borderlands? Totally, total empowerment. But yeah, at the end of the day, uh, I, I, think, I, I think of my job at Gearbox Entertainment as being uh, the most accountable. I've heard you. I've heard you say that a lot. <laughs> it's like it's not about authority yeah, yeah. and responsibility. It's about when shit goes wrong, I've got to take the bullet. I'm the bullet sponge. The iridium <laughs> stops here. Yeah, that, and I, that, that and I think that's I think that's true, right? Like every time that you, I've heard you say that phrase, it's usually like well, we've got a problem. Okay, I'm the most responsible. Let's let's just figure it out. But like Randy's been awesome to work with over the years because he, you know, when I, I think of some of the best moments that we've had in the last, I've been here almost 15 years now, not, oh not, not you, right. It's been, it's been, yeah, sorry. It, God, so it feels like at least 30. <laughs> but just, the, just with Varnell. Yeah. Oh, that's just, right. yeah, yeah that's right. Oh, it's pulling teeth every day. <laughs> no, but the, the, the moments that we've been around the table and, and so many times, I can't even count the number of times it's been you and me and a dozen other people in a room around a table and we've been breaking a story or breaking a story in the good way, right? Yeah, yeah. Figuring yeah. it out, determining that's, that's what lingo. it is, right? Yeah, that's lingo. Industry lingo for and, and maybe sometimes breaking a story too. Yeah. We when usually you, put it back you break, and being when broken you by a story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you break something, you you fixed it actually. God, but surrounded in a room with like it, it's it's the classic writers room, like whiteboards and pictures of characters. And there was even a time during like the Borderlands 3, it was like the weird, the weird red yarn. Like oh, we totally the, did on, that. On, like the detective story, who did yeah. this and Re what was I all did, that. I was 
just I came in on a weekend and did the whole freaking put it on that little board there. There are white there are whiteboards all throughout this office that would shock and terrify you uh, in their level of is the person that made this okay? Like, you, you know what's yes and no. What's awesome whenever we come back there you you're talking about like what's what's beyond. Like it rem- every time we kind of come and we're working on the next thing, you know, we, we kind of do have this moment where we account for what's been. Like, what are all the pieces on the table? And we don't have a table big enough for all the pieces anymore. It's true. That's, I think, one of the most challenging things uh, is, you know, there's so much to do, you know. So when we're making new stuff, we always want to tread new ground. But we have so much love for all the the characters and the situations, and there's all this unfinished business that's always lingering, and we we, we keep wanting to attend to that, and uh, and that balance between attending to unfinished business while forging new territory, and also factoring the stuff that we never got to do that we always wanted to do uh, is each step in new technology and new capability comes. That's always a part of it. That's it's a it's a crazy balance between all these three things. What, and, what do you think the percentage of Borderlands in the world is compared to what you've wanted to put out there? Oh God, <laughs> uh, I, I know this, less, but I'm gonna let you less, answer less it. Less than one percent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> less than one percent. Um, there's so much to do. It's gonna. That, that's one of the reasons. You know, you asked me earlier. One of the reasons why part of like the way I think about things is making sure that that people are empowered and that everyone is putting themselves in in the games too. Because uh, we we're we're not gonna get there. I'm gonna be dead. Even if I live to like 105 and we're going to maybe be like a quarter of the way through what we really should be doing here. And uh, uh, yeah, there's not enough time. But Well, you set a huge bar for us. I mean, the the, the motto of the company is entertain the world. Yeah, we're failing miserably. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't reached the 8 billion mark yet. I know, like 80 million units. Yahoo! Oh, wait a minute. That's 0.01%. There's 8 billion that we got to reach somehow. Oh, my goodness. Uh, We got a lot of work to do. (laughs) So Pitchford has been here since the beginning. Uh, Vernell, you just said you've been here since... 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, Ward, how long have you been at Gearbox? Uh, you know, I just rounded two years, newbie. Woo! Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's right, noob. You, yeah. are, you are a babe. That's funny. Uh, it, it feels like fresh six weeks. Babe. I think I'm, I've been here a little bit longer than you Just though, ever so. so slightly. Just ever so just slightly. Ever so slightly. Yeah. But I walk around with authority. So you no do. One, yeah, you no do. One well, you know, the but, <laughs> but I think what's awesome is this whole journey at Gearbox, you know, we were talking a little bit about before has been has been finding more and new creative partners to work with and and we're bringing you on is, is, is it's another you know the chapters just, leveled up a little I'm bit just more. great I'm blown away I'm yeah. grateful that I get to work on the same team as you like I mean well, oh, it, it, dude it's you mutual. worked on the matrix uh. what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> before we get In to your matrix. your matrix <laughs> yeah. times let, let, let's go a little bit further back um where did each of you come in with borderlands hmm. specifically oh, Randy, this, is, this is great Oh, you want you want to hear from first. me first? Yeah, oh yeah, we've already heard from like like obviously Pitchford has been. been I'm trying re- to go chronologically, yeah. and you're the oldest person I've ever met. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I, I will I will have to say for the record, let the record state that uh, that Randy Pitchford has Randy Varnell by two months. That's true. Oh. Right, we were, right. We were very close. We're very close, but I, I, I will have rank. to forever call him senior. Right. Um. I came at one of the most interesting times as a developer. So I I started Gearbox. It's technically not quite 15 years. In March 2009, and you remember Borderlands released that fall. I think October 2009, yep. right? Is when it was. So when I joined Gearbox in March, everybody was on fire, 
right? We, we, we've talked some of this podcast about, you know, the art style change after mm -hmm. years of development, all that. They'd just done that. They were doing it. We had a whole episode, I think, where we talked, Randy and Mikey talked about, like, just putting in, I was there when the, the first time I saw the Marcus intro land oh, in the game. Yeah, like, yeah. I, because I came in and they're like, you want to, you want to play test Borderlands? I'm like, yes, please. Like, it had everything that, I, all the things I love about game, RPG, shooter, crazy style, good writing, all of that was there. It was like a game built for me. And I had little to do with that first part of it. I got to play test some, I got some feedback, but largely that first year I was working on a different project, I came in and got to be a cheerleader. I was really just a fan that first year. And while everybody at that point, you know, right before a game comes out, there's always a lot of self-doubt. Have we done the right thing? Have we made the right decision? Is it going to work? And I was like, I was the one just sitting there saying, yes, it's good. It's really good. I'm going to play this. And I do, I think if you look at Steam, Borderlands 1 for me is something like three or 400 hours. Borderlands 2 oh, is a, like, I played the hell out of that game because it's great. Did you feel like coming in as sort of an outsider? I mean, it's, the, for anyone that's not in game dev, the, the last six months of a project might as well be the last one or 99%. Every, everything and nothing happens yeah. at the very end. That's right. There's so much work that went in before that that you missed out on that you saw a nearly complete product. Did you feel like you were uh, the test bed? Like, hey, we've got someone internal who is excited about this, but didn't have any, you don't have any skin in the game, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, no, uh, well, yes, yes and no. Like, here's the the reason I've been at Gearbox all this time, because I've worked some, I worked some pretty cool places before this, but Gearbox, I, I want to be here for another hundred years, please. Um, but the thing that's really awesome about that first year is even though no, very few people knew me, I, I came from, you know, another, another small game company in Dallas where I was doing some other stuff. And, and no one knew me. I was working on a different project. But every time I, I had a piece of like, hey, this is cool. What if you what if you did this? And like, oh, I know you probably have no time left. Everybody, even on fire, listened to me, respected to me, heard. I, I'd, it'd be hard for me to say if I had any material change contributions in that. But I didn't feel that way. I mm. felt like a valued part of the team from literally day one at Gearbox. Um, and, and there's we, a sickening enthusiasm that yeah. runs throughout this company. It's a, it, it's a virus for, for sure. Yeah. So it was, all, it was one of those things that in that first month, they're like, I want to be here forever because this is fun. Like these people aren't rejecting me. They aren't, they aren't casting me out as an outsider. I'm working on, I was, I was working on brothers in arms originally. And it was a very, very different tone of project yeah. from, from Borderlands. Right. And so but they didn't, I never felt dismissed or unheard or unwelcome. It was really great at the beginning. And I, I think, you know, Randy, you're talking about how we've always strived to put everybody in Borderlands that's been invited. That's been the case from the very beginning, probably even before I was here. But I, I was, it was awesome. It, it felt good and it makes me really excited. I've, it's something I've tried to replicate with my team and I hope we replicate for years going forward. And to be fair though, you you probably came in seeing like the worst possible way to land a game. <laughs> you know, like today, like sure. we're, we're, we're pretty good now. We're relatively sophisticated. Yeah. You know, we like to land the plane. With, with Borderlands 1, it was like, <laughs> like that it was it was nuts it yeah it dropped from orbit and yeah, <laughs> landed it, it was it was it was v, it was v it was not a, it was not a landing it was a vertical but that but you know passionate people make passionate games and and that's always been something that's been awesome about here and it it it, it, it 
sometimes creates hot landings because you're trying to, I think we work right up to the the bell and then beyond. Until it's pencils like, down. It's like you work till midnight. I can still it's, do doodles like those, in the margin. Yeah. It's like those scenes in movies, you know, where you look, you have till midnight to make the decision and the clock starts striking and literally yeah. the scene is going on where the person yeah. is still yeah. doing yeah. stuff and bong and you're doing bong. <laughs> like, that's, how it, that's how it feels around here, but that energy is great and uh, all the producers that are listening to this are telling me, shut up, Varnell. Shut up, Varnell. We want to... And I think you're right. There's there's a maturity that's come as as we 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 master and get better at games where we're a little bit better than that. But we work until we are forced to put pencils down to yeah. get everything that we can in the games. And maybe and that's maybe cool. that's the kind of the the thing is the the people that tend to thrive at Gearbox tend to have uh, what I call high give a shit factor. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you have to give a shit. You know what I mean? And when you do, it's like you can't stop us. We're gonna make stuff happen. Ward, you came in just over two years ago, so BL3 is already out. Yeah, just came out. How did you experience Borderlands from, from the inside uh, at the at the end of our last major release? Well, I mean, I, so for me, what put Gearbox on the, on the map for me was, was, was Borderlands 2, and we all, everyone took note of that, right? Um, and game studios were studying it, and like, how can we, you know, do what they did kind of thing? And um, it wasn't until Borderlands 3 came out that I... I, it felt like the saturation was just kind of turned up a bit, and the art style had just jumped. And for me, I was like, "This is it, incredible!" It's this the beautiful. hardware generation. Something, yeah, it could have been that too, right? No, I mean, it's it from, from a player standpoint. I did a lot of research preparing for this and went back to to all and of the, the games. Feedback? And for me, it was between two looks amazing. Booting up three for the first time in forever, you're like, "Oh my goodness!" Right. Like this is. It's sharp. It's crisp. It's dynamic. You know, with two, we 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 still were supporting 480p. Wow. Yeah. Which. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we didn't wild. have to like with three. It was like okay, everyone's HD now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it changes everything. Like from like line. You know, when you're talking about like the 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 shading we do with the line thickness and some of that other kind of work, um, it it changes the, that that fidelity change just yeah makes that intent of that that graphic novel look in real time really, really pop in a way it never could on prior generations. It's one of the reasons why I've been so like gung ho for all the, all the efforts that people have had to like remaster this stuff yeah, right. and to like take yeah. the back, the, the, the back catalog games and make them like run with, with more modern technology and modern, modern uh, graphics. And uh, you know, we up the content, we up the, up the rendering, up the lighting. And it's, it's, it, I'm grateful because like the old games look like garbage to me, uh, but now they look amazing. So when you buy yeah. the new games, as we like have these like remastered collections and remake collections, they're just, it's just awesome to be able, if that is, if this is your first time experiencing Borderlands one or two in today's technology in today's world with this product, like that's the way to do it. I wish, I wish I could like be back then and have a time machine teleporter to play the games for the first time now and then then go and back, go back so I can, and the yeah, good yeah. news is people have that ex that opportunity right now they have it always uh to, to always jump into the franchise and now experience it in that new way so yeah yeah you don't and have the time machine but they do you know what's weird though too a lot of us our memory of it like because we are moving forward with our experiences we'll kind of fill in that the, the, the right. Brain, you know, we feel this a lot sometimes with remakes of old nostalgia games. You know, where the the memory of it is is. Uh... I I think a lot about movies that I saw as a child on a thirteen inch CRT TV, hmm. 
and then you see them again later mm-hmm. in high def, and it's like, have I ever seen this movie before? Yeah, right, like, right. Is, or is it, so seeing that shift from two to three, was it as a director or as a fan that you went something? I think it was a, as just as an artist. I think you know, just recognizing what the animation, how just the jump. And for me, not even realizing that the two were connected, you know, and then being like, oh, that's a that's a, a sequel. That's a third. Oh, my God, it looks great. It's amazing. And I remember even playing that and I'd played two and it was such a big jump in the whole just the opening mission and just, under, mm-hmm. you know, with Claptrap. I found Claptrap uh, a little bit less as desirable in two and <laughs> three. I was like totally following. I'm like, yeah, where yeah. do I go next? You know, and, um, so I, I, it felt like narrative was a lot stronger in that game, too. Uh, and I'd learned a lot since uh, since I met Randy about like you know the efforts that actually took the jump from two to three. Actually, the jumps from one to two to three. Um, and I just saw uh, Gearbox was doing everything that I was like really attracted to. I was like, this one thing is that great. we've learned on this podcast as we've gone from the be- before the beginning to now and to the future and beyond is with every release, everyone involved is saying, How- "Let's do it bigger. Let's do it better. Let's do more fun. Let's do." Better oh, looking, yeah. better sounding, better yeah. story, like better character, everything. There's no there's no desire to stagnate. Was it's, that attractive when coming on board? Well, that's the expectation, right? We're just talking about like Borderlands, the, the difference in the the technology, and we're always chasing that. And, and, and the constant the consistency of like we're fighting, we're not competing with anyone necessarily, because I think Borderlands is itself. And but we have to be uh, cognizant of what our audience is expecting, what they're playing on their, what, how, what, what other companies are doing with their their consoles, and how they're finding new colors and et cetera, et cetera. So that that's just opening the door for us to do greater greater things. I don't think there's a stagnation ever of, um, you know, I, I think artists get sick of working on the same IP at the same time. So even us, we have to kind of renew it for ourselves to be interested in it. If we kept making Borderlands one and then Borderlands one and then Borderlands one and then Borderlands right. one. Yeah, we 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 have a serious drop up rate. And Varnell, to your <laughs> point, it's uh, that that stagnation is sort of it sounds like it's instantly eliminated by the enthusiasm within. Oh gosh, like yeah, we we I I can't think of many places where we've really gone stagnant. Like every game that we've done, we have we have this really cool thing that we do with Borderlands, right? Where we 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 stay one, we stay kind of alert and focused on what are, what are people digging. Who are the characters that people like the most? When you go to a convention, we're the ones that are really being cosplayed, right? And and we we even do some research. We have a whole team, and but we look at that and we're like, okay, we're gonna bring some of that forward. We always yeah. love that familiar, but every game we also like we want to create some new. And we we I think we found a really good general pace for the Borderlands franchise about always bringing some percentage forward, so we create that feeling of familiarity yeah. while creating some new realm to explore. And it's it's fun to do that in a framework, you know, it's like, there's so much chicken and egg yeah. in game development, right? So it's like, on one hand, you know, there, there's that kind of thinking that Varnell was just talking about, but we have to balance that also against like, okay, what what theme are we committing to? What's mm. what's the fun, what, where's the real shit that's like in our storytelling? And like, okay, and then, you know, there's a certain point where every character kind of takes on a life of their own. And we don't have to create them anymore because they kind of they tell us what's what's going to happen. They tell us yeah. you know, how they'd react to a situation, mm-hmm. and that's that's when you kind of know you've you've gotten there with a the character when they just yeah. what would Ellie do? Yeah, yeah totally, <laughs> like, and it's like okay, and so like when we're something, dealing something sexual, right. so, so, like, so you have all these influences, right? We have like these themes and goals, yeah. like thematic goals and like storytelling goals and experiential goals and game design goals. And then you think about like, okay, there's the landscape of what exists. There's the dreams about what 
we want to try to create. And then there's like what players want and expectations are and all that's all that's in the soup, you know, yeah. and we're, we got to figure out, okay, what, what, what go, you know, or I, those are all ingredients in the kitchen, I guess. And you have to figure out what's, you know, what's going in the soup. And From a practical player standpoint, a place where I really felt that was in three when Sanctuary is a spaceship. Yeah. It, it's a familiar location with familiar characters that comes with you elsewhere. Yeah. It's almost mm -hmm. the perfect bridge. And look, look at the murder we got away with, with that, right? Because like we wanted that to be a thing, but it's like at the same time, we expect a place where Moxie's going to have her bar. Yeah. So we just put Moxie's bar, bar on the yeah. spaceship. <laughs> yeah. Like it makes no yeah. sense. We're like, fuck nope. it. This is what. No, we, Crazy Earl's in a closet exactly. on the spaceship. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the other one. <laughs> Crazy Earl's just like he's just like, what? What's he doing here? And Marcus has a shooting range. Like yes. on this yeah. on the spaceship, course, there's yes. a shooting range. Does. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's fine. Like yeah. OSHA's all, not going to be happy. Like, no, no one's yeah, ever yeah. complained about any of those things <laughs> because it feels absolutely correct and fine. And that's what that's what got me into this. All of that character, there's nothing boring in this game. Right. There's, it's never a dull moment. And, and I and I still today find new things that I love about this property. Um, and then how we've spun it off and stuff. It's just it's it's awesome. It's, I mean, it you goes know, on forever. And when we get a little bored, then we throw in a Velociraptor as the holiday sure. vendor. Sure. <laughs> That's right, because that makes sense. That's great. We've talked a lot about what is special about Borderlands and, and and sort of how we've expanded it. What is it about Borderlands that demands expansion beyond the main games into other media? Into uh, is it story and character? Is it humor or is it just good business? No, it's it, look. One of the one of the interesting things that happens when you make like with a game like Borderlands. Uh, fortunately, there's a lot of people that love games like that. But uh, it turns out that we have players that have literally spent thousands of hours in the Borderlands, and they have people in their lives that they'd like to share that with in some way. Uh, but those other people in their lives aren't going to like jump in and spend a thousand hours doing a shooter looter. So by creating other kinds of ways that that experience could be shared, then it, it, it sort of lets people come together in this mm. fiction that they love and this universe of love with the characters that they love. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of people that go see the Borderlands movie that have never played a Borderlands game, yeah. but they're going to have heard about it or they're going to have been brought there by somebody who has already seen the movie and loves the games and wants to kind of bring them into the world. Oh, that's and, fun. And yeah. sometimes we'll create new gamers out of that. Uh, but it's also the other way around. The other mediums can do things that the video games can't. You know, the, it, with, with the video game, it's like, it's amazing that our species has figured out how to make this form of digital interactive entertainment where an audience can affect the outcome, can control the camera, can absolutely control the camera and have like total control over what they're looking at and where they're headed and what they're doing. And that's beautiful and amazing. Obviously I've like committed my life to this medium, but, um, but there's other kind of things you can do in storytelling if, if the storyteller has control over the camera and, and there's, there's other things we could reach. And you know what, what Borderlands gives us is a place to mess around with that uncomfortable median between two opposing ideas, right? That's literally what it, what the word means. It's the space between these other things, right? So, you know, from a genre level, mixing sci-fi and Western, you know, but from a character level, it's the difference between what what a, who a character is and who they wish they could be, and and so exploring that and exploring that messiness between those two states sometimes could be done better in other mediums, whether that's a a, a graphic novel or a comic book or a film, uh, and it's just 
it's it's awesome that we live in a in a time and place where it's possible to explore characters and a, a thematic intent behind an IP in multiple mediums. And I'm grateful that, that you know we that our our IP is is earned that right to be able to do that. Uh, Varnell, you're in charge of our our overall narrative development for Gearbox. So you you oversee that department. I do. That department has produced. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. Before that department existed, we produced. Uh, comic miniseries written by Mikey Newman, Borderlands okay. Origins in 2012, told the story of how the four original Vault Hunters met. We've done a series of novels with John Shirley from 2011 to 2013. We have another novel on the way from Anthony Birch for March of 24, mm -hmm. set in the Tales universe. Is a full expanded universe the, the ultimate goal? <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, listen to what Randy's talking about, like the, summing up how the interactive Interactive pulls us in. It is a really cool medium of storytelling. I'm so I've never been I've never been a, a, a smoker in my life. But you know, you describe people who smoke a lot as chain smokers. I've always described myself as a chain reader. Right. Right. I was the kid. Like if you look at my from the time I was about ten till now, my book closet <laughs> at home is just this stack of stuff. And you my, buy every number one comic that comes uh, out every month. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's a whole other. <laughs> we'll talk about that sometime else. I've got a problem now, but. For me, one of the things I love about well-developed worlds is that feeling of when you, you're consuming that next chapter, that next section and all of that, and man, you're on the ride and you're loving it and it's got, it's got your hooks in you. And, and you love it and you feel like those characters are your best friends and like it's me and, and Lilith or it's me and whoever. And, and I'm there and all that. And then, and then that, that chapter ends. You, know, you finish that story, you finish that book, you finish that game. And I have this feeling, and I know we, it's, a, it's a common thing in our culture, it's like, oh, yeah, it's over. And especially, <laughs> uh -huh. man, when you get to the end of like a trilogy or something, and, and all I've ever wanted in my 10-year-old heart, you know, is every time I have that feeling is to immediately, I, I need to buy the next one. And yeah. those moments when I can't go and get that next one, I'm like, I'm going to wait a year? I've got to wait two years? I've got to wait 10 years? for like Some of it, it's like, it's always, oh, and I think for me, Borderlands has reached so many people in that way of, of those great worlds that I love. And it's reached me too. I was, I was a fan first and kind of got to inherit this, you know, what, how do we do that? For me, if I can find more people out there, one, to get, it, to catch onto that, that, that I want to get on the wave of Borderlands. I want them to understand how much you can love this great, colorful sci-fi universe with humor and drama and real shit and all of the other stuff in it like we have. But the more I can, whenever someone in our group of friends and fans experience that, I want a little bit more. My job, it's the greatest job ever, is that how can I, how can I always have, ah, I've got a little bit more coming. I've got a little right. bit more coming. Here it comes. So... Part of what we're looking at, you're asking about the future. It's 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 can we we obviously are doing that with the you know with have done that with games and hope to do that with games of the future. It's so much redacted that you know we we can't say anything about right Dude, now. Dude, there's but. a lot of unfinished business. <laughs> there's a lot in Borderlands of 3. unfinished business, but like, we're you, like, can oh we can we do that in other places? Like you said, that we've got we've got Anthony's novel coming out, and and we're we're, well, and we're doing it right now, aren't we? Literally are, right yeah. now. That's yeah. that is a lot of what this is. Like it, you know, this is not, you know, maybe the next step in what happens with Lilith, whoever wherever she went, but, but it's something to say to a Borderlands yeah. I, fan. I'll just say it. 
like Lilith's not dead. Everybody that's should cut. know that. You know that's getting Everybody, cut. Everybody, no, come on. I, like, <laughs> she in Borderlands Two, she bamfed the fucking sanctuary. Like yeah. we know she has this capability when she the moon's the problem and it's literally made of iridium. Like, she's got all the juice she needs. <laughs> all these nervous people standing in the darkness back there. <laughs> like, it's cool. It's fine. Well, it's fine. It, it's they fine. all work for you. But I don't know. Is, everybody, is, everybody, yeah. everybody can anticipate that. And that gives yeah. away nothing. That gives away nothing. That but literally gives away nothing compared to what we're doing. <laughs> Holy shit. No, but like, you could, we, I can literally tell you what happens next with Lilith and what Elpis and all that. And it nothing. gives literally nothing, nothing compared to what we actually have coming. But, but building stories in that keep asking those questions, like you, we, I don't think they're ever. It, I think if a if a franchise and if a fiction, if a if a, if a universe works well, uh, the ones that I love are the ones that always ask the question, "And what's next? Mm-hmm. And what's next?" You know, the my favorite stories. We always, and it's it's a common thing to do. It's you know, we we always stay to watch the credits at the end of a Marvel movie because yeah. it asks the "And what's next?" question. And we we've always tried to seed those types of things through. We the can't help language. ourselves because yeah. the most excruciating thing in the world, when you're like, whether you're reading a book or watching a movie or hearing a story being told or whatever, is if you love it and it comes to an end and it's so freaking tidally wrapped up that you know there's never going to be ever anything again. Yeah, that's that's the most painful thing in the world. Like the worst sentence ever imagined by storytellers is, and they lived happily right. ever after. <laughs> right. And like, no, I want more time with this. This is crazy. I want to see my favorite yeah. people dealing with stuff. And I want I want them to find love and and see how they deal with pain. And I want to I mean, I learn about myself when I spend time with these characters. Absolutely. You yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. I need and if I'm if something's vibing, the last thing I want is for it to be over. When I was a kid and I used to read Roll Doll books, I would yeah. just <laughs> Die! Yeah. Like when they were over, I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like this was amazing, and now I will never have more time with James and his giant beach because it's over." Vault hunters, it's Daddy again. I'm gonna cut right to the chase. I know you've been playing Borderlands behind the gym after school. Don't try to deny it. Gone easy on you in the past. I guess it's just not getting pretty. So, you want to be a big grown-up vault hunter and play Borderlands? Well. You're gonna play Borderlands. In fact, you're gonna sit right here and play every single Borderlands game to date, and all for one great price. With the Borderlands Collection Pandora's Box from Gearbox and 2K. Don't roll your eyes at me. Let's see how much you still wanna play Borderlands after you finish this generous and fairly priced bundle on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. That's right, you're playing it all three times. Talk back to me again. Playing it on current and last gen hardware. That's what I thought. Now go to your room and don't come out until you've platinum Borderlands 1. Kids. Something uh something Varnell said to me a while back. I actually wrote it down. Uh oh, because no. it because it actually like, I don't know, it kind of meant something to me. Was uh with Borderlands, we've opened Pandora's box. Why would we close it? Why would we even want to? Hmm. Is that is that the driving philosophy? That's so awesome. <laughs> Thank that's you. That's so awesome. I, I was I was literally on probably four cups of coffee that day. It just came out. <laughs> that's what it, that's, that's how it felt. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty manic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, look, we we. I don't think we can. I don't no, think it's no, possible. That's no. the other thing about Pandora's. Right. It's not even, if you wanted to close the box, it's just not possible at this point. Yep. Um, in terms of the ways that Borderlands grows and evolves and necessitates, it, it's sort of its own evolution. Uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, an entire 
new mm. massive game born out of a DLC. Um, how how natural is that process, or or was that a uh, was that was that a, a pressure point? Like, was it difficult to figure out if that was the right move? Oh my God, you will, the world will never know how difficult it's been for me to crack that nut. I've been wanting to do a fantasy game since I founded the company in 1999, and when we stumbled upon Borderlands, it's like, oh, this game system is perfect, and oh. The suffering, <laughs> the suffering, but we, it's here now. So now we've got, we've got it. And it's an, it's a new, like, wow, there's a beachhead with it. You know, Bo Wonderlands sold more in its first year than the original Borderlands did. So it's like, okay, okay, we're on now. So yeah, that's dude, awesome. let's not, let's not screw this up. Let's go for it. Let's go, let's go, let's go. So yeah, there's the, yeah. Yeah, I'm pumped for the future. <laughs> pumped for the future of Tina. <laughs> um, Ward, you would have been here during uh, the the completion of Tiny Tina. Did you work? I worked. Yeah, I, I, we 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 opened up the opening cinematic, and I directed the opening uh, in, with some great feedback from these guys. Were there aspects to it that you went, okay, I couldn't have done this in a Borderlands game, but I can do this here, or did it feel seamless? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that we're dealing with her mind and this this whole you know uh, pl place that she's brought to life. I mean, honestly, it's what we do for a living. It's it's the it's it's a real world, but with a overlay of fantasy. Not not, yeah, not fantasy, like, but literally one child's fantasies. You, you know, the fourth wall, the fifth wall. It yeah. just keeps getting. Deep. You know, I'll give you a little anecdote on, on Matt Ward here. When when I when I first <laughs> he's met, the model for Tina. We well, all know. Well, that. Well, here's here's the thing. You're talking about working on that. And what what you love about that, and it's because you and Tina are a lot alike in this. The very first time <laughs> I met Matt Ward, he introduced I himself. I can't wait. Listen to he introduced himself as a professional show and teller. Yeah. Right. And that's what Tina, especially in bunkers and badasses, is. She's, you know, she's the bunker master. She is the show and teller for the world. And that whole beginning sequence that you got to touch and work on is her I'm, I'm worried. welcome to my world. You I'm know, every, every relates to and, me and, and yeah. Tina. And by the way, if you if you dissect that opening cinematic, it's like, I mean, Matt Matt directed that and the team at Gearbox that, that works for Matt on that is amazing. But it's like just on so many levels, I think it's like the the best, uh, it, the best kind of version of a cinematic that Gearbox has ever done. Like f forgetting about like your judgment on like the content, just thinking about just the technical execution of intent and how tight that is and how per like, dude, just the way the book comes into existence and like, oh my God, it's like, I'm just so grateful that like Matt's here to make that shit so much better what? than our, our shitty uh, ass stuff that we did <laughs> back in the day. Was that your goal on Tina to like, I got to wow these guys. I, gotta... I mean, my, my goal was to recognize the talent that was already here. And then, you know, honestly shine the spotlight on them. And, and it couldn't have been done with, with again, like, like Randy said, the, the team here, well, I, there I was, was lucky to come on and have some great artists yeah, already in place. And, and you were. There were some some really remarkable talent that you just kind of helped shine at the end. Like Kent Alfred had, and his team Kent, had done a uh, bunch of work on that. Yeah. Mike but Cosner. You, but, and, but it was but, awesome. But that yeah, loop, you that loop between like direction and like – and you're in a situation where you've got a creative director, Matt Cox, but then you've got like me showing got, up. Yeah. Like I'm like <laughs> – I'm like, like I'm the CEO and I'm like microing like, you know, this – I think we need a tenth of a second here. Right. You know, like I'm doing like crazy – like. What the fuck? But to manage that between the talent and all these, and holy crap! Look, look at yeah. the result yeah. that you do. Like that's 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 the real, that's 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 hard stuff, dude. I know what that's like. We usually 
a lot of times creative director types and director types can really get destroyed in a place like Gearbox because you've got everyone on the team cares so much. So there's a million yeah, voices yeah. and influences that we care, that everybody has, their voices are meaningful. And then you've got like a character like me who comes from game development. I'm not, I'm not a suit, dude. So I'm going to get in there and my sleeves are rolled up and I'm, I'm messing stuff up. But I have all this like authority and responsibility. He's the new guy and could immediately go, oh, this is Randy not trying to be CEO. He's just creative hat right here. And right. and the things that work, I'll take. And the things that don't, I can tell him to fuck off. And I, and I can work with Randy in that way. And I was like, oh shit. That's awesome. How, I, I think it was like one of the first emails I wrote back to you, I kind of responded to everyone in your notes. And I remember, I, I think I, I didn't say no to anything, but I said, Randy, if we do this, it's going to cost blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and the coolest thing is Randy came back going, okay, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. I, and I think <laughs> working with Randy, it's like Randy will, will insert himself when he sees a problem. He just wants to help solve it. And I think that's what's great about everyone here, is, especially on the, the high-level leadership. They just want to come in and help solve it. It's not like they say, I have the solve. It's like, let me help. And then we all work together and we, we, you know, again, that's, that's a perfect example of me being able to come in and have that support and also collaboration with all these guys that how, knew it way better than I did at the time. Especially. How do you decide whose advice to take in that, in that position? Is, it, is the shot king or, or are you trying to please uh, anybody else? No, I mean, I think we're trying to do the best job for the for the audience. That's I mean, right. ultimately, at the end of the day, it's just like the audience has to get it. They have to get the story. We have to deliver it, and that's what cameras do. That's what controlled cameras do. Uh, in a way, that's what the game does when you're playing it, all the mechanics that are behind that for that experience. So we have to make sure that everyone at home gets it, enjoys it. Um, again, it comes down to just entertaining the world. Yeah, I think when we when we do our best, it's those it's when we're in those moments and we 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 start to parse. That's my opinion. But what is the person who's seeing this for the first time? What is the fan of our franchise? What is the new person? What are they going to get out of this? What are they going to love for that? And we can really put ourselves in those seats. That's when I think we're at the top of our craft. As Borderlands continues to expand beyond video games, we've mentioned there's a movie coming out slated for August 9th, 2024. It includes Kate Blanchett, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Hart, Jack Black. I'm not, I don't even want to know how this cast came together. I feel like I feel like uh, <laughs> untoward yeah. things were done to get all these people in, in, in a video game movie. This is, there's Oscar winners on that list now. That's, that's, that's outstanding. It is. Um, when, a did a, when did a feature film become a goal for Borderlands? Oh my God. I started that process before Borderlands 2 came out. So 2011-ish? Over a decade. Wow. It's been over a decade. And, you know, when I met uh, when I met the R-Odds at R-Ad Productions, you know, Avi and Ari, you know, Avi Arad was the founder and CEO of Marvel, you know, and and he and Ari, you know, were coming at me saying, hey, like, we, we think what we did for comics, we think that needs to happen for video games. The video games... There, there's there's real stuff here and 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 I, okay I like that thesis, uh, but I beat the shit out of them like I made them, you know because dude over the years so many folks have tried to you know option property and you know come after us trying to get you know us to hand over the keys to our babies so they can try to exploit them and um, they they earned it you know so so the first three years were probably just me just beating the like just courtship <laughs> and then you know it, it it because because i was so cruel to them um <laughs> i say nonchalantly like we actually we spent a lot of time we became friends and like i'm playing league of legends with ari you know just right. like in, in for no re like you know for no reason we're just like oh let's you know team up and we're, we're like we i don't know for weeks and weeks we're just playing league of legends every night um uh and 
and it, it allowed a lot of trust and understanding. And I think that's key when you're working with people on things that are really important. But you know that this movie thing, it's it, it's it's been a long road, but you know it's it's been one that we've really invested ourselves in too. You know, Gearbox has spent a lot of resources, my own time, and a lot of time of people just to both understand the process, but that same attitude, just trying to make, like Matt and his team, they literally rendered CG that's in the freaking movie. Like the rendered here at Gearbox, you know, it's, it's pretty dope. Yeah. It's what, pretty dope. what does it mean to have a resource like that in house where, I mean, do you feel like, um, almost, uh, emergency support or is it just like we're, we're the SEAL team ready to be deployed? I, I, no, I think we're extension of connecting those two. And, and that's, that's what excites me is that the film, the film in industry, the game industry will maybe never completely connect, but we're, we're recognizing where we can cross over a lot more. And having teams in house, and, and again, just just seeing how Gearbox, when the film was kicked off, was so involved in this, and that might have just been Randy, or, or but all the people that Randy's invited into that uh, has been pretty amazing. Because I I've I've worked with other studios that have actually worked with other studios and other game studios connecting that, and it's usually the IP is just kind of written off, and it's it's licensed and it's gone. And then, and, and then oh, we've seen the evidence. A, a movie comes out that has nothing to do with the game absolutely. that you love. So, yeah. so the fact is, we we built a team that's able to, you know, um, help ensure that the integrity of the game and the IP is present in the film um, by being hands on with it. And it's more than just like consulting at a table; it's actually like doing a lot of the work and helping. You're doing previs. Pre you did some post viz, -viz yeah. and at, like you know the, the <clears throat> most. And this is happening like literally in real time right now because every you know, and I, I don't even know what I'm allowed to say or not, but who cares? It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil anything here. I think but, it always added. No, no, no. But, um, you know, we, we were, we were working on some stuff. There, there was, there was this idea for something that could help. And, um, and, and, you know, the, the director and the, the editor liked it and the producers liked it. And so it's like, okay, let's give it a shot. And so we created some animation. It's like, this is great. And we did it with a rig that was compatible with the, the, the rig in the movie for a character. And, um, uh, uh then it was like, well, shit, like, nobody nobody can render this and like it was like well why don't you give it a shot so like matt and his team literally render it from a video game engine and probably what 10 or 15 back and forths with lighting and yeah. with you know. a little bit of feedback yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now they're just like they're like you did it this is great yeah, like yeah. it's like oh wow it turns out you know and look that should be no surprise unreal engine has rendered shots in freaking the mandalorian sure and, and and you know it's you can let you can let it bake longer and, and get like really great results, but um, it's the first time we've done it. Yeah, this and is it's our, really cool. This this is our our first step of something I think that we all want to. It's do, a live right? action movie, yeah. by the way. Like yeah. this is yeah. not yeah. like yeah. Love, this oh, is, yeah. Know that. yeah this is yeah. a live yeah. action movie. This yeah. is not like it's legit CG trying to fool the eye and believing it's reality. We had to make it look. We had to take the. I mean, again, we had to we had to match the the photorealism of it. So yeah. It's pretty great, but but I think we do this more going forward. I, I, Matt, I, Absolutely. it's it's the reason that you're here with us that we wanted to invest yeah. in someone that has a substantial past in, in Hollywood and film. Well, right? let's talk about that. Um, Gearbox is moving into transmedia with comics and and film and and game uh, like physical games, card games, board games. Gearbox also has a slate of IPs beyond Borderlands. Uh, Duke Nukem is one of the most recognizable game franchises in the world. Uh, and there's a film in the works with Legendary and the Cobra Kai team, uh, Brothers in Arms with a TV series. Uh, we've got more IPs, Homeworld, Risk of Rain. We have a good working relationship with Dark Horse. There's yeah. a lot of things in the works. I just we just got the uh, the the Borderlands source book. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Done, yeah. done in I just got my copy. Uh, we did. That was a great And I, and I noticed you can just buy it on Amazon. And like, because it just launched, it's like they do the like, oh, 10% off, you know, trying to juice it a little bit. So if you want, you can buy the Borderlands source book right now for 10% off on Amazon. Which our internal team did a lot of editing yeah. to just yeah. ensure the yeah. quality and Yeah, we're working with the Dark Horse guys. Yeah. Dark Horse published it. It's freaking beautiful book. It's amazing. So with these multiple well-loved, highly regarded IPs expanding into transmedia, how do we manage it all? Randy Varnell. (laughs) (laughs) Ask him. Well, (laughs) you you drink a lot of coffee in the morning, (laughs) drink a little bit of bourbon in the evening. (laughs) Uh, No, it's uh, we we Randy and I've been kind of dreaming and working up to this over, gosh, the last six or seven years, definitely on this. You know, we we in, in around Borderlands three, I built first kind of a small narrative team to bring. To get it out of just like, because you know, Borderlands Two is written by Anthony Birch, and then <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, and Anthony is amazing. He's yeah. a mutant of a writer, and uh, and he did such, and he worked. Of course, there's a lot of other creators that can contribute to to mission and character design and all that, and they, they were a big group. But that was the only writer, titled writer, we had on that, right? Mm. And then uh, in Borderlands 3, we, we had like four or five credited writers on that. We built the team a little bit bigger. But even more than that, the narrative, we started to acknowledge that the narrative of a game has to, everybody has to contribute to that, right? So we were meeting regularly with, with, with a creative director, with Randy Pitchford, was in a, tons of meetings with us earlier on that. And, and that, that idea, and I think we really started to say, wow, this is, this is awesome. We're s- just starting on this massive universe. Built an engine. To, to build an engine built that, that built could a do narrative that. construction engine. And then from there, we built, we turned narrative into creative development, where we started to, to build towards cinema and bring cinema in it and other things. And then uh, just over a year ago, uh, Randy said, Hey, I, I want to build an entire division that is like the connective tissue for. Our, what we do in the games and what we do outside of the games that can remember our lore and that can do some forward thinking about franchise planning and all of that together and then do it for all of the franchises that we have. And I'm like, I'm, I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. Because I, I can't stop. I love worlds and I love stories and I love development. Serial and I love, I, love, I, I love all the different types of, of media, right? So we built Gearbox Properties. We started Gearbox Properties that stands aside Gearbox Software and Gearbox Publishing is another group. And we're, we're not as big as those teams, but we have a mix of writers and visual storytellers and cinema and then whatever you are, Joel. Uh, you know, <laughs> My title is creative producer. <laughs> People that have passion and talent for caring about franchises and then taking them and turning our imagination into real product that we can we can give those moments that our fans say i just wish i had a little bit more borderlands in my life joel watson brings us a podcast you know matt matt ward brings some animated things that you'll see maybe next year in the movie and, and other stuff right and then we still have the game teams and the hope with properties is that we can help do more than we've done in the past and also do it more consistently but but always keep that radar on our customers what do they like how can we give them more of what they love and less of what they don't? How can we build on that and build those things so that they they can, with us, just be delighted and surprised by what we do with these stories in the future? Yeah, and it's also about cohesiveness with different teams working on different kinds of 
products and pro- projects, right? Like if you've got a, a group of people making plushies, what, what do they know what Borderlands is and how do they interact with the team? You know, game developers are busy. So properties gets to become the custodian of intellectual property across all manifestations. There was a, in fact, there's a really great anecdote on that. It happened just before properties, but as an example, like in Borderlands 3, we were working on the, the, the new look of Mad Moxie, right? And she runs the bar and sanctuary you talked about earlier, and Art had made this really beautiful model. It looks really, really great and all that. And uh, one of my writers said, hey, she's missing a, a, a heart tattoo. She has a heart tattoo on her chest. And, and Art was like, eh, and we were, you know, Art, it's going to be, it's better. And, then, and, and the writer said, well, normally that's the case. Like you artists are awesome and you do great work and we love to see the new visions and you're always thinking about the journey that the character's on and everything. But that tattoo is actually really important because it's a clan tattoo that goes back to Moxie's story. It's a past that she's overcome. It's really important to us. And our fans know this and our cosplayers know it. You could see it on the cosplayer. And we we actually had to have the art team open back up the asset. Come to later Jesus on, right? meeting. <laughs> well, it, I, we don't want to be mean about it, but it was one of those times that we had to say, hey, we, our, our, we have a responsibility to our customer. And like you said, the cohesiveness and the continuity of the, that, that sometimes those things are important. Sometimes are like totally not important cool we'll let it go but sometimes it is connected to stories and connections to other right. people can you imagine what would have happened if we shipped borderlands 3 and moxie had no heart oh it, i mean we would have shut down the, we would have shut down the company yeah, for yeah, sure yeah, it was yeah. critical it was <laughs> yeah. like my no, i mean for some people yeah. it would have been it would have been a gnarly that have been there'd been feeling there would be feelings it's it's yeah. small stuff but it's ten thousand small I, things i think right? that i but yeah. i think that care and respect for the small stuff is what kind of makes makes it work you know yeah. it's like yeah. every like there's a million things and they're all small but everything is important so it's like one of the things that really struck me is um odd but really interesting about properties as you were putting the team together as you were building out the roles that were necessary to complete this mission uh was the addition of a lore master <laughs> i feel like that's a job that people a don't know exists especially don't know exist in video games it needs to ex- it needs to exist in every game company so one once any world and and i think you know like if you have an individual novelist who's writing your book they're their own lore master you, you know to be internally consistent you have to keep a bible you have to record all those notes and all that when that's being done by a team and a, a, a growing team and a larger team and a franchise that has you know four main games 15D, all, all the, the stats you shared at the beginning, it's something as big as Borderlands, it you need dedicated people that that record all of that. So we brought in, found a, an amazing person, Kayla Lee is our, our lore master, uh, who is, I, I kind of describe her as 30% library scientist, 30%, you know, hostage negotiator, and <laughs> 30, 30% uh, technician. Because she has to build not only documents, but systems where anybody who's working on our content, uh, our partners, whether they're inside the studio or outside the studio, we can give them, here's the definitive description of how you write Claptrap's voice. And here are examples. And here are are his past. Here are facts that are are unchangeable about him. And there's things that you can play with because Marcus said it. And who knows if Marcus was telling the truth, right? So... We, we have those documents that we share internally, and if we do that job, it's, it sounds like the nerdiest job ever, and it is, and oh, it I is love it. Sure. I'm, I'm a turbo nerd. I, I, I just, it scratches all my itches, 
But if we do that job really well, what it gives us is the ability is, like we were saying at the very beginning of this podcast, to invite other friends and partners right. to the, the creative space to us to, to add their specific creative talents to what we do, but with enough rails that it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't compromise the story that we're already telling with our customers and, and tread on ground of, of people that really love. And I, I think every great artist loves those loves to know what are the boundaries and constraints so I don't cross any line and then I can go nuts in there. Yeah. Right. And that's where we have fun. If we do that job well, then we, we can go faster. So to scale up an engine where we're doing this, not only for Borderlands, but for all of our properties at Gearbox, having someone, and, and in fact, all of our writers and all of our creators, you've, you've contributed to, to the Lore Bible and several of our products, right? Everybody does. But having one person, at least, that's at the helm, that, that's, that's landing it all and, and organizing it all for us, it's an, it's, it is a, absolutely a full-time job. If I weren't doing this job, there's a there's a version of me in a multiverse <laughs> be doing that's that. got a lore master, yeah. a big wide brimmed lore master hat with a feather on it somewhere that's like cracking my knuckles. And today we're gonna talk about, you know, the 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 colors. Claptrap has never uses. canonically referred to his own butthole, so he probably doesn't have one. Right. right. But if you want, we can have a discussion with legal. <laughs> the, um, the the lore master though unlocks crazy stuff like that's you right. Know, this this um. Like this project with Genvid, like there's no yeah. way, you know, there'd be confidence to let something like that happen without the fact that properties exist and there could be some connective tissue. Yeah, Echo Cast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look it up. It's 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 wild. Like this, there might be this might be a thing in the future of interactivity, and those guys certainly are really trying to to do something that's never really been done before. And the fact <laughs> the fact that we can do it with Borderlands is awesome, but we have to take a risk. Uh, both with like what is the, the the canonical connective tissue with Borderlands and and how other people are going to play in that space with us. As we talk about the weird jobs that that come up in properties, what was the impetus for a cinema department instead of the cinematics artists that were already here? Uh, I mean, I think the way that you're, a lot of game studios are are valuing uh, visual storytelling that is non controlled and not experienced by the the player. Not designed by designers, um, and it it helps narrative align players. It helps more people get together, but it also connects to the world of the next visual storytelling of of you know film. I mean, the the term cinema and cinematics comes from that, um, and so I think more and more um, companies, including Gearbox, were recognizing the value that that team can bring, and not just specifically into the game, but also outside of the game. And I think what what happened was like when when Gearbox was already like. You know, uh, deep into the production of the film, they were realizing like, wow, this is this is an untapped resource that we haven't really focused on as much. Uh, we've, there's great cinematics in the Borderlands games and, and, and the other IPs, but um, we're gonna take it to the level of which now, like we were talking earlier about expectations from players and from our audience um, that are gonna meet that and surpass it, but also con con continue to connect that um, mental real estate that we're used to seeing at 24 frames per second in a, right. in a darkened theater. It, you worked with Star Wars, Lucasfilm. You've worked, as, as Randy said, on The Matrix. You've worked with Robert Zemeckis. How do you bring that film experience into video games? How does it apply, and where is it, where is it totally different? Well, it's, it, they're in short spurts, right, uh, for, for a cinematics team. So um, it's connecting... The dots. I've always said that the best cinematics are the ones that align the players, that give them a chance to just for the for the the story to sit down and and sink in 
and allow the audience to go, oh, okay, now I know the why. And now I know why I care. And um, and push that through. I mean, it's so easy to make a first-person shooter that you go around and just kill bad guys. But when you Is why it, would I care a pretty good uh, opening question for stuff like that? I think so. I yeah. mean, uh, I think that's where story ultimately comes. I think that's what actually makes people come back to play a game um, is why I care. Um, and what is the SGC? Oh, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, Society of Game Cinematics. Uh, as of recently, uh, a bunch – so more and more game companies are actually investing in cinematic content, um, connecting it more to the marketing side of things. Uh, very, very typically you'll see marketing content featuring mostly game cinematic content or externally made or internally made. Um, and so we, we're starting to see more and more of that across the industry. So me and several friends, uh, other cinematic directors and producers, started to have shared knowledge conversations. And we started to say, how do you do things like that? And how do you do things? And hey, you've, you've done this before. How does that work? And we started to notice everyone's doing it differently. And that's kind of film for its its core for the past hundred years has made movies pretty much the same way. Right. Games, everyone makes them differently. Um, and when it came to the cinematic content, we wanted to ensure that we were all helping one another rather than competing with one another. And so we, we started a society, uh, much like the VES or, or uh, the Academy of Art Sciences, that was focused on how we can make better cinematic storytelling inside of games and uh, complement the game and complement the game experience. So it's a, it's a great little society. Is, is this the tipping point where the games companies have a bigger seat at the Hollywood table? Or, or do we not need that? <laughs> like, who cares? Let's just entertain yeah. people. Let's just make things yeah. make people happy. <laughs> well, you're, you're always, you always remind us that, and, and you do this a lot because we talk a lot together in meetings about strategy and how do we get things done and how do we do this entertain the world thing. And I love one of the things, Randy, that you do is, is you say like, look, if we can, we don't have to do like, there's a, there's an instinct of creators to want to bring it all in here and do it all ourselves. This is my creation, mine, my precious, right? And you remind me all the time that, yeah, but there are whole segments of the world that if we're trying to reach and people that we're really trying to bring into our family, we can't do it all ourselves. We have to find partners and we have to have friends and people that we can trust. And especially as we go into other mediums, like like I've spent most of my life uh, on, on, on making video games, on making software. I'm, I, I know a lot about that, right? Matt, when you talk, when I watch you talk deeply about film stuff and get into that, I know a little bit because I've been around it a little bit, sort of, kind of, but you've done th things that I've never even begun to touch. And it's really cool to watch, oh, that's how you do that there. That's how this is organized. This is the work. And what's really cool is when we get to work with other partners and other people who have specialty, we don't, we don't have to do it ourselves. Yeah, We need to build those yeah, relationships yeah. and those friends and bring them in and, and then let everybody do the thing that they're great at and then share the universe together. When, when we make Borderlands on Broadway, <laughs> I promise you that you and your team will not have to do any choreography. Yes, very good. Well, that's good. that's good because I cannot dance. No one wants that. Claptrap and I are about the same level. I do level. want to write yeah. Claptrap's I Want song, though. That's, oh. I'm, I'm ready. Give me the piano. It's time to go. Um, Borderlands is just getting started is yeah. is sort of the vibe that I that I get from this whole conversation. It's it, it, it's it's For almost sure. not even a time to gut check where we are, but it's more about what haven't we done. I it's feel excruciating like because it's the most commercially irresponsible thing in the world right now would be to talk about 
the stuff we're all working on for right. the future. <laughs> but the future is like <sighs> embarrasses the past. <laughs> is that what you hope uh, if we're having this conversation in five, ten years? Do you feel like that's the same? Oh, we haven't even started. Or Gosh, I don't know, man. Maybe I mean, we can get to 2%. <laughs> right after a solid two decades yeah. of effort the, right. the, you know here's here's the trick there's so many awesome and creative people around us here that and and when when ideas begin to manifest in our minds they're they're kind of beautiful and perfect and we can see them but the act of actually taking that from a mind and turning it into something tangible and manifesting it in the real world that that, that can be shared and people can access it takes a huge amount of effort. And so I think that the vision of what could be will always radically outpace the reality of what's been created. And uh, I love that. Like, that doesn't frustrate me. That turns me on. That animates me. That gets me up in the morning. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I, I'm here for it. Is that how Borderlands entertains the world? Does it accomplish our mission in that way? Well, it's certainly a part of it. Right, I, I don't know that the entire world is going to vibe with our our crazy sci-fi western, <laughs> you know, this ridiculous art style and this absolutely wacky stuff that we do in the game is is and it's it's a juxtaposition from the hardest, grittiest, gnarliest stuff to the craziest, wackiest, loosest, and it's, that is also like the borderland between those two ideals. You know, that uh, the whole world's not going to vibe with that. So, but but the ceiling is definitely higher than what we've seen so far, and I think. I think with what we're working on now, when when it comes to be talked about and and um, commercialized, I think I think we're going to get a better picture of what that ceiling could be. Absolutely. Uh, there's only one thing left, and it's the most important thing. Randy Pitchford's already done this. I'm going to offer you the opportunity oh, no. if you'd like to do a redo. But this is uh, who does the best, Marcus. <laughs> oh, the line is: so you want to hear a podcast? Eh? Now I can take. Your score from the first episode. You're already, you're already <laughs> on the you're board. You're already on all the right. board. You're like in the top three right now. Okay. We're all straightening oh, up oh, right oh, now. Um, Just getting so if you don't want to break that curve, I mean, you can abstain. Um, Varnell, I'm going to put it to you. Do you want to get us started? Oh, sure, sure. <clears throat> so you want to hear a podcast, eh? It's not bad. It's not bad at all. Ward. Can you? He's got a smile in his when he's he, Marcus is he's happy. He's happy. I'm going to give you tell you this story. I'm going to give you a. So you got to smile. I'm going to tell you how you do this. I'm going to oh, give oh, you a clue that no one else has, oh, has oh, I think oh. gotten onto yet because I want I want I think I might want you to destroy Varnell. What's on this. that? He's got a jowly voice. He's there's, got there's 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 heft in his mouth that no one's really. He's got a little cotton in there. Yeah, yeah, a little, yeah, a chewing bit. tobacco. A little bit. <laughs> he but he's happy when he says it. Look, um, all right. Um, Let's hear it. I should have. So you want to hear a podcast? <laughs> I, I knew this was coming. Oh. Um, so you want to hear a? Oh no! <laughs> oh, you were so close. Oh, he popped the shoot right, halfway through. Yeah, so right. close. Oh, no. <laughs> all right, here we go. Here we go. All right, all right. Everyone, quiet. I need shh, to concentrate. Quiet on set. So, so you want to hear a podcast? So you want to hear Matt Ward so do a bad Marcus? <laughs> so you want, you want to interview? Um, yes. I'm going to finish the rest of the podcast like this. Oh, it's a good thing it's horrible. over yeah. then. <laughs> it's an excellent thing that we've come to the close. Should I take another swing? Do you want to do it? I'll oh, tell you what. Yeah. I'll even give you this. I'll give you the best of your two scores. 
Oh, hell, then yeah. I have to take you a gotta story. You got to do it. Oh, Why not? Go, go, go. So, you want to hear a story, huh? Oh, wait, hold on. Doop, 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 doop. Oh, look at that. So, you want to hear a podcast, huh? <laughs> have I got a podcast for you? <laughs> oh dear. Okay, I think you did better than last I time. I hate oh, to say great. it. I hate to say it because we all literally work for him, but that might be the best one. Yeah. <laughs> that might be the best one. Oh, you know that man. Randy's done it the most though. And you know, he's doing it in the That's car. True. He's yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, he's at I've home been practicing in the shower. Yeah, in the shower. Since the last time. In the shower. I heard day. him walking down the hall. So 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 Calling, calling uh, Ari and Evie a rod. Saul, you want to hear my impression, eh? <laughs> we did it, you guys. We did it. We did it. We did, we did it. it, you guys. Thanks for joining us, Vault Hunters. If you've made it all the way to the end of season one of Echoes from the Borderlands without subscribing to the audio version wherever podcasts are available or subscribing to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash gearboxofficial. What's going on with you? How weirdly irresponsible. Are you in trouble? Do you require assistance? No then subscribe now or you're going to miss out on future seasons and future special episodes. If you play video games, and who doesn't, and you'd like to get every current Borderlands game at one great price, snack our new bundle, the Borderlands Collection Pandora's Box, available now on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC. Huge thanks to my guest, Randy Pitchford, Randy Varnell, and Matthew Ward, as well as all of the guests we've had on this season and everyone else in the Gearbox family that worked on Borderlands, from QA to audio to mocap and more. You've heard the stories from some of the people responsible for the big ideas that went into Borderlands creation, but it took the hard work and extreme talent of hundreds and hundreds of people over dozens of disciplines to bring this franchise to life. So we thank them all. One more time, I'd like to thank our behind-the-scenes heroes, April Johnson, Dakota Warren, Mark Petty, Rob Fernandez, Mike Cosner, and Hannah Terry. Additional thanks to everyone at Gearbox who contributed to this show, from cinematics, audio, marketing, communication, licensing, biz dev, and our director, Matthew Ward, who's directed every episode of this, uh, of this podcast. We couldn't, and we frankly wouldn't have done it without you all. Our theme song is Get Out of My Head by Wandermind for Echoes from the Borderlands. For one last time, I'm Joel Watson. See you next time, Vault Hunters.